Hello and welcome to the East to West WLS podcast. I'm April and I'm the West. And I'm Jason and I'm the East. We support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. And today we are beyond thrilled to be welcoming a very influential member of our community, Giselle. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> oh, we discovered you on Instagram uh, a few months ago, maybe six months ago, and we've been following your journey ever since. And we are inspired every day by what you share with this community, because despite all of the things that you have going on in your life, you have it down and you have been successful for five years. You just celebrated your five-year like post-op anniversary. Yes. I oh my gosh. It. Five-year surgery was yesterday. Congratulations. Oh, amazing. Just unbelievable. We are so excited to, to really dive into this conversation with you today because uh, as we were kind of saying earlier, I'm 17 months post-op, Jason is eight months post-op. Uh, so when we see and find members of our community like you who have had success for so so for such a great amount of time, we're so excited to learn from you because you're like the lighthouse, right? You are, you're the beacon of hope. You're letting us know that you can find success long-term, that you don't, you won't find yourself on the, on the wrong side of that 50% regain number. And we're just, we're very excited to kind of use you as our, as our teacher and to share your wisdom with this community. This episode is just, like I was saying, straight fire. It's going to be straight fire. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, before we dive in, I just want to give our listeners and our watchers a little bit of background information. So if podcast is not maybe your favorite way to learn, we record this and post it to our YouTube channel. And if you guys can see us, you will know why, because we're adorable. Uh, so we highly recommend that you guys check out our YouTube channel. Uh, there's links in our Instagram bio, or just go to YouTube and type in East, the number two, West underscore WLS. Uh, Jason and I both had a type of weight loss surgery called vertical sleeve gastrectomy or VSG. Uh, we have both, uh, I've lost 120 pounds. Jason, what are you up to now? 164. 164. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Pretty unbelievable. Jason and I had wonderful surgical experiences, but we both found that after our procedures, we were kind of left to the wolves. And if you have had surgery or you're preparing for surgery, Surgery is almost the easy part. Is it's life after. It's learning how to live with this new stomach, with this new life, with all new habits that, that you really have to work on. So, uh, Jason and I teamed up to create East to West because we wanted to create the support that we did not find in this community when when we had our own procedures. So, uh, we're very proud of uh, of what what we have done here, and we very much appreciate your feedback and we appreciate your support because we just we do this for for the community. So with all that being said, Giselle, I would love to just kind of give you the floor for you to introduce yourself to, to, this, to this community. So when did you have your surgery? I mean, we know you're five years out, but just go ahead and uh, let us get to know you a little bit. Well, hello again. My name is Giselle. I am sleeve life underscore on Instagram. And five years ago, like she mentioned, I had the VSG surgery as well, just as they had um, here in New Jersey. Um, when I was 24 years old, I had the surgery. I'm now 29. And um, at 24 years old, I had just had my first child and I was going through postpartum depression. And although I've lived a long life of a um, back and forth yo-yo dieting, hmm. after pregnancy, after, you know, after having a child, it was just it was just super overwhelming because I felt like I hit rock bottom. It was just with postpartum depression, it just amplifies, amplifies that depression. 
So, um, as I had mentioned, after having postpartum, having postpartum depression, it amplified my depression already. So having a lifelong of yo-yo dieting and so forth was very difficult as is. And um, my mother and my sister intervened and they kind of said, you know, maybe it's time that you take the surgical route. And they talked me into actually having the procedure done. Um, I didn't, I was in denial. I did not know that I was as big as I, as, I was. Mm -hmm. um, I'm only about 5'2", barely. And my highest recorded weight was 246 pounds. But that was like, I, I was much bigger than that. I just never touched a scale. I got to the mm -hmm. point where I was wearing, you know, tights and, and sweatpants and I didn't even buy jeans for years. Um, so I know, I don't know what my highest weight was, but I'm going to assume I was over, I was close to like about 270 pounds. And um, I did make the decision based off of their um, support. And I um, embarked the journey like five years ago, as mentioned. And it was the best decision I've ever, ever, ever made. It really was. Um, I mean, that's just the, the beginning of it. Uh, well, and I think what, what your story resonates with so many people because as we know, many people in this community suffer from depression and anxiety, right? Either diagnosed and medicated or it's just a part of their, their lives. And I think they also really resonate with not recognizing how large they actually were. Jason and I talk about this all the time. We look at pictures of ourselves from years ago and it's like, I never look like that. There's no way. But mm -hmm. I did look like that there. That's why the pictures exist. So, you know, to, to have all of these different layers that, that went into who you were before surgery and then, uh, you know, couple that with the yo-yo dieting with wanting to become a parent or, or becoming a parent, uh, that's, that's life. And when it all comes together in this perfect storm of a situation, and when people call it to our attention, we know that it's time to do something. And for many of us, weight loss surgery is the only thing that will work because we've done everything. We've tried everything in the past and nothing worked. This was the one thing that didn't work. Uh, and mm -hmm. as you said, I mean, uh, the three of us, we, we, we could easily say this, it's the best decision we ever made. Um, and it's important that, that people know that. It's important that you can suffer, you can try everything, you can be battling all kinds of things in your life, but this is a tool that you can utilize to live your life at, at the healthiest weight. So, well, and to yeah. speak to to speak to one of the things that you were actually also talking about is you know going to moving to just strictly tights and sweatpants and those things and not you know just not even worrying about how much you weigh, just you know sliding things on that'll fit you. There's a lot that goes into depression and how you're feeling and, and how you can battle that depression once you start taking yourself out of shopping malls and you know big box stores and being able to go to just regular retailers. And, and shop for things, whether it be with your girlfriends, whether it be on an outing with your, you know, with your mom, you know, wh whatever it may be for, for females, we know shopping is a huge part of feeling like you're a part of your friend circle or your family circle and things like that. And I know myself, um, I haven't stepped foot in a mall in probably 15 years. And I used to work in a mall. Like, so I was, anytime I needed anything, that's where I, I was at the mall because I knew I could buy everything, whether it be shoes, you know, cool shoes I wanted or jeans or whatever. And once I got out of that and I felt like people were staring at me like a damn polar bear that escaped from, you know, whatever. Cause my, you know, cause I, you know, where, 
where where Giselle says she's five two, I'm six four, and I you know my highest weight was was four hundred and sixty eight pounds. So I, I'm a large human. I'm I'm hard to miss. So seeing me inside of places that I'm you know that I wouldn't normally be seen, you get a lot of stares. You get people judging and looking at you weird, and you just kind of disappear out the door into your car and don't just don't go back because you know you don't want to feel like that again so you remove yourself from that situation so Mm -hmm. in doing that I'm sure that's also something that kind of keeps the cycle of depression and things like that going because you're missing out on a on a big part of you know of of your life and doing things like that that keep you in friend circles and, and things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, that was one of the signature signs that I had of how depressed I was, was hiding. And I did that with my postpartum depression. I literally stayed in my house for months. And um, it's because I did not want to be seen. I, I, I truly disliked everything about me. I had, I felt like there was no light in me. I just, I didn't want to be around people. I felt like I was oozing sadness. So I just kind of festered into that. And my mom and my sister said, you got to get out. And finally I listened to them and I took that dive. I had the weight loss surgery. And I mean, within a month, I started seeing more light. Like it was, it was the most remarkable change it was not an easy it is not an easy transition because mentally and emotionally there are so many roller coasters that happen so like you mentioned hiding from like shopping malls you're forced to go shopping after surgery very quickly because your clothes no longer fit (laughs) that's a good point (laughs) so stepping back into a shopping mall experience i'll never forget i went and grabbed pants that the last size that i was in um the last size pants that I bought I think were like size 18 for pants because I had tights I didn't I I wasn't buying jeans anymore I go in and I went to the shopping mall and I grabbed the size 18 as I normally would and I was swimming in it in that first month and I'm like what just happened but that also was so encouraging because now I wanted to go back and then I was excited for my next shopping run and I think that that's like, there's like this euphoric and almost like a drug that happens after surgery where you want to try it again and then see it again. Mm-hmm. And those non-scale, those non-scale victories that just empower you is just like, oh my God, I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. it. To the point where I was so embedded in shopping in the plus size section that I still found myself there two years after. People talk about this all the time, but you've lived your life in such a way for so many years, right? You, you've just like committed to the fact that that's, that, that is your size. When your body changes so rapidly, your brain can't keep up. Nothing makes sense, right? And people always talk about how, oh my God, I, I was still shopping at Lane Bryant, even though I was a size eight. It's because I, I just didn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't quite figured it out yet because it takes some time. I mean, yeah, you walk in and they ask you who you're shopping for. You're here to buy for somebody and you're like, yeah, me. And they're like, right, no, that's not you. <laughs> but I mean, people people don't realize that you take that because I mean, the first trip back in the mall has got to be anxiety ridden. You got it because you're going back to a forbidden place that wasn't for you for so long mm-hmm. that people don't realize that you can take that anxiety and turn it into fuel to continue to move on in your journey. And that will get you so much farther than staying back and just being, you know, just embracing the suck 
that you know was those years of you being you know not not able to go in there because it's not for you but you take all that and you you fuel yourself with that and and yeah you're you're gonna your your recipe to win is gonna be there most every time absolutely absolutely just amazing well, today we are so excited to, to really talk to you about two topics that, um, that we know that you love to highlight on, on your own feed. Uh, one of them is just how you have maintained your low weight for five years. And recently you've been very passionate about talking about, you can do it through the holidays too. So we're very excited to learn about how you are maintaining your weight during the holidays. Uh, and then we, we're very much looking forward to learning about kind of your big ahas now that you're five years Five years post-op we're yeah we're, we're just we're we're very excited to get your your nuggets of wisdom because we know that you have a lot of them <laughs> awesome um, so before before i dive into the maintenance part i think it's really important that people also know the background story of my parenting so to speak is that okay yeah okay. awesome yeah yeah so um Shortly after surgery, I actually became pregnant within this first six, seven months. So after surgery, I wound up having a daughter within my first 14 months, not even, I mean, yeah, the, my fourth, after at 14 months post-op, I had my, my daughter, my second, my second child, and she was born at 26 weeks and, um, embarking wow. that change. So it, it made me kind of hide from the community. I didn't even know how to balance. I didn't get to learn the tricks of the, of the trade um, due to the fact that I had to live a different lifestyle than everybody else. So learning these habits, I learned these four years post-op. So I think it's important that everybody also knows that although I was asleep five years ago, I practiced these four years post-op as if I had just gotten sleep. And it's important that I do explain that because there's a little bit of things that might be different from my journey that may still help other people that are starting because it yeah. is for everyone. I want to make sure that that's clear. But um, because I was pregnant so early on, I had to you know set alarms and and remind myself to eat because I was burning more calories than I was consuming. You know, you have surgery and you're having maybe 600 calories day based on the amount that you're consuming you can't eat so much so I had to set alarms to eat as much as I could in order to have a healthy ish pregnancy but I was also a workaholic and I was working 60 to 80 hours a week so oh my god I, it was it was honestly just it was not the same pregnancy um like I said I had a, I had my first child before before being asleep and one after, and it is not the same. It is far more difficult after surgery because you really have to set alarms and consume as much as your body is burning. Because as a pregnant woman, you're supposed to consume three to 400 calories more than your average. So mm -hmm. that was well, very... I mean, and not only that, so, I mean, you, I mean, your body's changing because you're growing a human and you were so, you were so soon out of surgery. I mean, you had like two... The, the biggest things that you could have going on internally in your body were going on at the same time on yes. top of regular life and already being a parent and working full time. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. So I had, I had to learn balance and maintenance very early on. I had to learn how to balance things in different ways. And, um, that's where I just took some of those things from the beginning of my journey. And I just had to restart 
uh, four years after. And uh -huh. one of the things from maintenance was the alarms. Those alarms actually saved me from having my daughter earlier. Um, setting alarms and timing myself, pacing myself. So I was able to expand how much I consumed um, and ate adequate amounts because I took my time when I was eating. I set alarms to make sure that I was drinking 30 minutes before I had a meal and an hour after. So there's these tricks that I did that my nutritionist told me to do and I followed her, I followed her um, advice. I took these tricks and I still do it four or five years later. And I think that's a huge component to the success that I have. Mm -hmm. um, and I hope to continue having. I, these are habits that are now embedded in me that I also use during the holidays. And it's something that is, anybody can do. It doesn't matter if they're sleeved or not sleeved. That timer and that pace, it, um, it really just sets off your, um, like just how to eat and when to eat and your brain can know I'm full and not overeat. In the, in the community, it's good to give that pace so that you don't get yourself sick. And even if you are not sleeved, it's just good so that you don't overeat period and have more consumption of calories than you're supposed to. So did your doctor work more closely with you based on the fact that you were that you were a sleeve patient and, and being real hands-on with the way your pregnancy went down or how'd that work out? Uh, I'm a rebel. I am a rebel. So I found out that I was pregnant and I dodged my doctor. I did the worst mm. thing. I don't want anybody to listen to me when I say that, like, I don't want nobody to follow my example. And that's why I speak on my mistakes because I never want anyone to do what I did. I was extremely, extremely irresponsible by not seeing my doctor, but I spoke to my nutritionist. Um, I did speak to my nutritionist, but my doctor, I was just so embarrassed. I felt oh. like, I felt like I was going to be on timeout. <laughs> I felt like I was in the, you know, you know, I was, I was seeing my mom and she was going to say, you did that. And I just, um, I dodged a doctor and that was the biggest mistake I ever made. Dodging the doctor, you should not do that. And that's why I'm very, 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 very huge advocate of listen to your doctor and wait your 18 months that is required and just follow through with their direction because I'm one of the examples of what can happen. And like I said, my daughter was born at 26 weeks and she, um, she has sensory and behavioral and delays and so forth from me having um, had her so early. And that's, that's one of the things they said will happen if I do that. And I did just that. And I don't want nobody to do it. Nobody listen to, don't, don't, don't listen to me, learn from me. That's. Well, and I think you're so many people, I think would be very scared to, to share their experience and to share what they learned because that's really hard to talk about. Yeah. Uh, but as women and just as humans, that's why we have the power of conversation so that we can share these experiences, we can share what happened to us and we can we, we can let people know that there's probably a different way to do this and the outcomes might've been better. But as I was listening to you share your story, you acknowledge that this didn't go the way that it was supposed to, but here's what I did 
to make sure that everything from that moment forward did go the way that it was supposed to, right? I set timers. I drink 30 minutes, right? I, I'm not drinking close to meals. I'm, I'm watching my portions. All of these things are exactly what the doctors tell you to do, which you did, mm -hmm. which you have done. And you have found great success after your surgery because you are doing all of these really amazing things. I'll do it. I still do it. I still, I don't drink when I eat. I, I, I don't set timers anymore because my body's so accustomed to it, mm -hmm. but I do, I host challenges and I train, like I train um, basic habits and I embed these same habits to others because it's something that is, when I tell you long lasting and it's sustainable and it's something that doesn't, you know, like hurt your pocket. It's just a little trick that you do with time that changes everything when to drink and how to drink is literally like we all drink water but when you figure out when it's a whole different ball that's very true right because it really does make a difference and i'm always amazed at how how much more in tune i actually am with my physical body now than i was before i would have thought that you know that that just would have been something that i was aware of being just such a larger person but now that i'm smaller you really do have you're, you're all of a sudden you're allowed to have this connection between your head and your body that you just didn't have before, mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, necessity or required, or it's just, you know, a, a side effect of the surgery, but man, your body tells you things every moment of the day, if you stop and listen, but I never listened before. I didn't even know I was supposed to listen. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a whole new way of living. It's a whole new way of thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, so it's how great. Uh, how long did it take you to really uh, embed and embed those habits? I mean, I, I knew, you know, so your doctor said, this is what you need to do. You decided, yep, I'm going to do it. How long did it take for you for those things to really become automatic? So um, after my daughter was born and I, I, I am one of the people that I did regain, I gained about 20 pounds, 30 pounds. Um, so my lowest weight was 120-ish. And um, so I lost about, after surgery, about 130 something pounds, but it was due to the stress also having weight loss surgery, plus living that new lifestyle with my daughter, um, going back and forth. I was in the NICU with her for three months. So I just totally stressed out, got down to like 120. I did not like how I looked. So I started to feed myself a bit more so that I can mm -hmm. regain bit more and then I went a, a little overboard I went I creeped right back up to 160 and I'm like uh oh 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 good I didn't I was going you know I was doing exactly what the doctor told me not to do so um I then at that time so it was about a year and a half after surgery is when I really started practicing those habits habits which I think it's important that people can hear that even after surgery and even when you do regain it does not mean that it's over. You have the ability to come on back, get on board and still do what your doctor tells you. And I am a testimony of that. It works. What they're telling you to do, it works. So um, I, I did start losing again and then I got pregnant again with my third born. Oh my gosh. This oh is why my. I, I was so inactive in the community because I was so busy being a mom and um, and I'll tell you, because I changed my habits and I um, was successfully 18 months after surgery, my last pregnancy with my, with my third born was successful, had him full term, everything was great. 
Um, so it is important that, you know, there I'm explaining those differences from earlier on and after. And after my son was born last year, I had him last March, I continued and practiced those same things that my doctor told me. And last year I dropped back down to 125. So even after surgery, if you start feeling a little bit of a regain and so forth, one of the things that I have learned in maintenance is maintenance does not mean that you stay the same low number all the time. It means that even if you drop weight or gain weight, the fact that you work hard to get back to where you feel comfortable, that is the real maintenance, is learning how to adjust and shift and pivot with your changes because you're not always going to be the same weight. Weight is meant to fluctuate, especially as women. We gain on a regular basis, on a monthly basis. We do. We gain and drop water weight like crazy. So I think it's important that everybody learns that maintenance is really a form of never giving up. That yeah. is so, oh my gosh. It's so powerful to hear you say that because Jay, we, all three of us, we see this in the community, right? People are like, I want to weigh 120 pounds or I mean, I have a goal. I want to weigh 199 pounds. But at some point we have to have a, a, an honest conversation with ourselves. Our bodies might not be designed to ever weigh what our arbitrary number is, right? We're just mm -hmm. picking numbers out of the air. We're picking them out of a magazine or we're saying, I want to look like this person. Well, that's great, but that might not be in the realm of possibility for your body. And just what you said is, is so powerful because maintenance, it is. It, it really is about learning, learning how to live in, this, in this, this comfortable area, right? And like you said, as women, I mean, I know when it's, when it's my time of the month, my weight shoots up five pounds. It's just instant. I do nothing different. It just pops up there. And then it goes down. And then it kind of does this. But that's normal. And you know, I was finally able to explain it to somebody the other day for the first time ever. I kind of feel like this is my body, you, you know, like this feels right. This isn't my ideal weight, but this feels like, I think I should have always felt. It feels just like a place of, okay, because I can live my life comfortably here, right? I, I know my macros. I, I can get in my hydration. My, my activity level is, 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 is right for me. Everything just feels right. Even though it doesn't look like other people and it's probably not as great as it could be, it's not as bad as it could be, but this is, this is kind of that, that comfort area. So to hear mm -hmm. you say that is, is really hopeful. It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's very hopeful and it's wonderful to hear. Well, and also to hear hear the stress be explained as the reason you lost too much weight, because so many times, so many people automatically jump to stress as the reason they regain, but very few people talk about it being the reason that they go past their goal and maybe lose a little more than they thought they were going to. And, you know, everybody that has gone through surgery has stress at one point or another, and, you know, because life's not you know, life doesn't just get better because we had surgery, we lost a bunch of weight, like things still happen, you still have to go through this, you know, daily life, and there's trials and tribulations and ups and downs. And, you know, so people have to learn that, you know, you can go through those kinds of things, and you can be up a little bit, you can be down a little bit, just like Giselle said, you can still bring yourself back, it doesn't mean the ride's over just because you put on, you know, 25, 30 pounds. Definitely not. It's not, it's never over. It's ever changing. Your body will plateau. It will adapt. And you're just going to have to swing another way in baseball. You're going to swing or you're going to take a bunch. You got to figure out how you're going to make that play. And it's important that you learn to make the changes 
and be comfortable to say it's it's time for a change like there's and like you said you mentioned comfort zones there are so many of them you just have to learn how to work around them so i'm constantly uh i think one of the things that i do to stay out of having plateaus too um is i i switch comfort zones i switch diet plans i'll do keto or i'll do vegetarian keto or i'll knock off keto for a little bit and like i like to play with my discipline level in doing so and then doing that my body i notice every three months that i stick to something for three months i plateau and i'm like you know what what if i trick it and I do something different more regularly. And then that's when I see that my body reacts in a different way. So it's just important to learn how to just switch, adapt, and keep swinging. Well, Jason <laughs> and I are, are, we're always, that's such a great analogy. Jason and I are always saying, you know, what, what we found, what we find so powerful about these conversations is that you do something different than what I do versus what Jason does. But when we have these conversations, we learn these little nuggets. We learn, you know, pieces of your recipe. And while I might not, your complete recipe might not work for me, parts of it will work for me, which is just what you were saying, right? You have to switch it up. You have to change your batting stance. You have to change if you're going to bunt or, or swing. And by constantly learning and, and seeing what other people do, are doing and then incorporating it into your own routines or to your, into your own systems, you are constantly mixing stuff up. You're constantly looking for that combination that is going to be right for you in that moment because it's so true yeah i mean as you as we go through life everything changes right everything kind of has a season everything kind of has a flow and if you're not moving with those flows you are going to find that you have just plateaued and and nothing has happened and that can be so frustrating when you know you still have weight to release right you know that you're not done losing yet but you've stalled out i mean the three of us see this all the time in this community the stalls oh, yeah. is like it's the number one thing that people are just drive them up the wall uh but yeah, you break a stall by, by, by doing something different or you break a stall by doing what you're doing and just letting your, your body catch up. But if you're not tracking, if you're not paying attention, if you're not focusing on what you're doing every day, then you're just throwing stuff at a wall, you know, kind of seeing what sticks and that can be frustrating too. And let me, let me also something that you said before about knowing your macros it's really important that people know too that every your macros change every 10 pounds. So especially when you're about a year and a half out after, you want to check in on those numbers because you might find yourself to be either overeating or undereating and both of those will actually cause you to gain weight. And so it's really important that if you see yourself stalling for a long time or you see yourself regaining, you want to check in and actually understand what your personal needs are. Um, and I think that's another thing that I wish I learned earlier on. I wish I knew about macros when I was, you know, like when I first, you know, I wish I knew about that stuff. I didn't. And I think it's so important that, um, that really to, to get the longest and most healthiest outcome of this surgery is to also learn what calories are, macros are like really know them to mm -hmm. really impact your journey for a longer term because, yeah. The sleeve, it works. It works. It 100% works. It's a tool, like you mentioned, but it's not a forever thing, um, but it is a forever tool. But that knowledge component, that's where the power really, really lies. 
I had a, in my recent conversations with my therapist, I see a bariatric therapist and she too had the sleeve done, but it was like 15 years ago. And recently I was telling her, you know, I'm feeling like I can eat a little bit more, you know, things are just very different. And, you know, I'm starting to get panicked about some things. And she just said, oh, well, your, you know, your, your sleeve is kind of coming to the end of its effectiveness. And I was like, uh, excuse me, what do you mean coming to the end of its effectiveness? No, 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 this, this is going to work forever. And she very calmly explained, well, you're, you're completely healed, right? So your stomach is now the size that it's going to be forever. But now is the point in your recovery where the mental work is the tool and the tools that you need to use to find lasting success because your, your restrictions and, and the things that are happening physically are really going to diminish. And this is where the habits come in, right? This is, this is your routine. This is your identity. These are all of the things that we've been working on. Now you have to use them. And it's like, uh, that's a little bit terrifying, right? Like I thought I was just going to have this, you know, this physical tool forever. And it's like, no, 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 you do have it forever. But the effectiveness of that physical tool ends at some point. And yes. it's terrifying. It is. It truly is. And that's where I had to learn habits. And um, the habits that I formed were increasing my activity levels, um, creating routines of, of healthier eating habits, um, and, you know, saying no. And I know that that's, that's, it's so, it's one of the most slept on basic habits is the power of no. So do you want more? No, thank you so powerful oh my god so do you, like i just i had to embed those habits because we gain for me i am actually someone who easily gain weight i can gain 15 pounds in two weeks like nothing i gain mm -hmm. weight very very fast so i have to be active i have to mind my eating but i don't i don't um i don't like to fall off course because i do have you know, my three children, and I also have a mixed household. So there's a total of nine of us here. And I, um, I, you know, me, me and my fiance, we do a lot of the cooking and we don't want to feel kind of like overwhelmed. So mm -hmm. we've learned, I've learned how to multitask those type of things to kind of empower my habits and not fall off the wagon. Cause it's easy for me to say, oh, they're having pizza. I'll have some too. It's easy for me to say, oh, they're having burgers. Why not? Because at this time, five years out, I can have two, three slices of pizza. If I really, really choose to, I can have a whole burger and a drink if I choose to. But um, practicing those habits earlier on, especially when, um, you know, at like 16 months, 17 months, when things really start to normalize and stabilize, that's, it's really important to learn habits on how, like I said, how to drink and when to drink and, and pacing your food and listening to your body and the word no. It's so, it's so important to learn those things earlier on. Um, Cause those are lifelong lessons. Honestly, that's the maintenance. The key components are really just habits that you form over time like that. The small things add up. Well, and I think the the word no it, there's so much that there's so much that goes with it because i think before surgery we think that we're saying no all the time 
because mm-hmm. we're always following some diet, right? We're always following some program. And it's like, no, I can't have that because I'm doing Atkins or no, I can't have that because I'm juicing or I'm fasting or right. Everything before surgery seems like no, 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 no. But in reality, that's not true. We've actually said yes to everything. And that was why we found ourselves in an OB state, right? In our lives. So after surgery, to think that I have to continue to say no, it's almost like a letdown, right? It's almost like I didn't go through all of this so that I'm just battling the same things I was battling before surgery, but- Or more. Or, or more, exactly, because now you're almost thinking about food more than you were before, because now I am thinking about my macros. Now I am thinking about if I'm in a bad mental place, I'm thinking about all the things I can't have, right? I'm in this very like deficit mindset and oh, woe was me and everything's taken away from me and right, you, we start going down down that road. Mm-hmm. But the but the word no is actually an empowering word. The word no says I'm choosing to live my life differently. I'm choosing to only take in certain things into my body. I'm choosing to, I, I'm putting my nutrition over my emotions, over uh, you know, o- o- over my life before everything else. And it, it's a completely different mindset shift. But so many people are afraid to say no. They're so afraid to do that. Yeah, they really are. And honestly, there's something that is so um, exciting for me when I do say no. And I'm like, no, I can have this instead. And it's not that I'm not having what they're having because on pizza night, I just make my own pizza. I just don't use bread. Um, And then when everybody's having burgers, I say, no, thank you. And then I make my own burger. I just have an alternative and I use lettuce wrap. So it's not that I'm completely sending myself no, I'm just saying no to that option and finding alternatives. So there is just, there's, there's a power in the word no, because you're actually building discipline. When you're saying no, you're like, no, I can do this instead. And it's, um, I think that's, that's where the power really lies in telling yourself, I am disciplined enough to say no, and I'm following through. And there's a power in that because I can guarantee you some, like, at least for somebody like me, who was a huge binger. I was, um, you know, I had a few different, uh, I have a, I've, I've had, still have a love-hate relationship with food and it was very unhealthy at times. And I used to binge eat like crazy. I had, um, I was bulimic a few times. So there's, you know, that's, and saying no was something I could not do. And now I'm like, no, it's okay because I have this instead. Well, and what you, uh, you keep, I keep saying this, but it's like, oh my God, that's so powerful because really you're not saying no, you're not saying no to these foods that your family or or your children are enjoying or the foods that you like to enjoy. You are saying yes to a pizza that fits within your macros. You're saying Yes. yes to a burger that works with your new stomach. So you are still saying yes to all of these things. It's mm-hmm. just how they're composed is different. The ingredients are a little bit different, but it's still the same thing. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Absolutely. But it's just, um, it's just, you just got to modify just small things and it literally, it just, it takes it way further, like so much further. Do I still have ice cream and chocolate and all the regular stuff? Absolutely. When it fits, when it fits. But if I said yes all the time, then I would not be as successful as I am right now. So I don't deprive myself. Mm -hmm. I don't say no all the time. I just Mm -hmm. know that there's a power in the word no when it's not fitting. 
Well, when, when, when certain foods become contraband, right, in our, in our lives, it almost feels like there's a desire to, to get them more often. Right. So if we're saying like, oh, no, I can't have that. That's that's bad. That's awful. That's uh, it's almost like your brain shifts to be like, oh, but it's like the forbidden fruit. Right. You're almost drawn <laughs> to it. And, you know, to, to be able to say I can have whatever I want. Right. If, if, if we're at that stage in our recovery for us to just say, if I want ice cream, I can have ice cream. If I want a piece of chocolate, I can, I'm going to have that. The power in that lies that nothing is off limits, but I'm in the driver's seat. I get to choose what fits within my day, right? And each day is a new opportunity for us to make choices that, that fit within our macros and that provide us what we need. Uh, and it's a healthier way to do it because when I just think of my life before surgery, I didn't say no to anything. I mean, I, I said yes to everything and I said yes to it in, in amounts that were crazy and healthy. Yeah. And I can't keep doing that. That's why I ended up the way that I did. Uh, so your your switch or your philosophy on it is different than I think what other people are thinking even after surgery. But I think your approach is healthier in a lot of ways, right? Because you're you're teaching yourself what you need for your own life and for your own nutrition. Yes. Yeah. Learning learning what your body calls for. Like I said, I wish it was something that I learned earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that I really dove into until about until I was pregnant with my last child, with my third born, because I really wanted to have a healthy, healthy, healthy pregnancy. I wanted it to go all the way through. And that's when I started learning about, you know, nutrition, period. And I was actually, I have two certifications now. In, oh, wow. Yeah. So I really, I really, I really dove hard last year and this year. And I really just wanted to, I want to know health in and out. There's things that I want to do for the community that um, I just, I never, like you said, we, we have surgery and we kind of get lost Mm -hmm. and I want to, um, I want to do something for the community in the future that nobody ever has to feel that ever again. And I can only do that with knowing all sides. So if I learn about nutrition, if I learn about fitness and health and wellness, then I can help somebody else have a successful journey and not go through you know the mis- mistakes that I went through and so forth like I really like there's there's things that I'm working on in the back end that I'm hoping um I can see through in like the next five years but it's it's big stuff that I really really want for everyone I love well, that's, this community. I that's love amazing that you're wanting to fix it from the inside because there's so many people that don't think about that aspect of it. Everybody wants to come together and do the communities and the things like we, you know, like we've all been able to do with our with our own following and things that we've, you know, been able to accomplish, which is amazing because there are so many people that need that type of encouragement and you know need that type of assistance, but very few people ever go through the the surgery and want to change it from the inside out, and that's that's very applauded in my book because that's something that that takes a lot of a lot of strength and a lot of perseverance which you clearly have you know not only to get to where you are which is the pinnacle that most of us you know strive to get to but yeah it's great to see so i have i have a question for you that's kind of related to to habits so we, we all know, I think, kind of what a habit is, 
but when we try to form one, we tend to kind of like fall off track, right? We've got great intentions, but then we get a week or two into it and then it just, uh, it, it goes by the wayside. So what, what have you done to build such amazing healthy habits into your everyday life? Um, what I do is I kind of make it into a game. So I make challenges and what I do is just every day I set a tone for the day in the beginning of the day. And I say that I'm challenging myself to have 20 minute eats today. And the next day I'll say, I'm challenging myself to have 64 ounces of water. And then I kind of just like every few days just rotate those, uh, those habits. And then I'll have, um, the first few days that I want to drink my water, I'll have alarms set. And then by the fifth day, I don't need my alarm. My body just knows it's time to drink. And it just, it, it becomes a natural thing. And after, you know, like you said, after two weeks, your body starts getting accustomed to it, but now it's time to start over. So then I start from the basics again after two weeks and I set the alarms again. And I try, I play that game again where I rotate it again. I'll shut it off for a few days to test my own body language to make sure that my body's actually responding to it. And then if it's not, I start again because eventually your body will tell by itself. Your body listens. Your body has muscle memory that you don't even think about. And um, there's times where I just know my alarm's going off at six o'clock in the morning and it says, make sure you drink before you get out of bed. I have two, I have a bottle, this bottle. I fill it up before bed. And I put it on my, I put it on, I put it on my nightstand. And when I wake up in the morning, I have an alarm that says, I don't get out of bed until I drink two cups of water. I start my day with two cups. And well, then. I, mean, I, I think it's funny, not sorry, not to cut you off, but I think it's <laughs> funny, like how we do, how we all have our own tips and tricks to do it. Because I, before my grandbabies got here and I ran out of time to do pretty much anything, but take care of them. Um, <laughs> um, I played a lot of. I played, I was a gamer. I played games. I played Xbox. I played, my biggest thing was playing NBA 2K. And I kind of Pavlov theory myself into drinking all of my water in a day because every time the whistle blew, I conditioned myself to take a drink. So whether it was a timeout, whether it was an inbounds, whether it was a turnover, whether whatever it was, when that, when I heard the buzzer or the whistle go off, I would pick my bottle up. And it got to a point which was hilarious because one day, I, you know, I'm working from home. So when I play, it's in the living room, but I work like six feet from there on, on the, you know, the dining room table. So I would leave my bottle that goes everywhere with me. When I would get up from work, I would just leave it over there sometimes. And I'd be playing and the first buzzer would go off and I'm, I'm looking around like, where the fuck is mine? And then uh -huh. I'd, have there, I'd have to run over there and grab it. Or I just was instinctually reaching where I would have it. And I'm like, where the hell's my bottle? <laughs> But it was hilarious. My son was watching me one day. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "Oh, I was looking for my water." And he's like, "You drink every time the the buzzer goes off?" And I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. I was like, "But it gets the water in." Like, however, you got to tie it to whatever it is you're doing. Like, make it work. Absolutely. One of the one of the habits that I actually teach my clients is whenever your phone rings or whenever you get a text message, stand up and write back. Whenever you have a phone call, stand up and take your phone call. And it's just like little things because there's people that are working from home and they're, 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 you know, there's a lot of downtime and they're trying to figure out how to, you know, work around it. If you don't have a standing desk, no problem. Create one or stand when you're writing an email. Every time you're writing an email, stand up and type. It's the little things. So then now one of the girls tell me that whenever she goes on the phone, it's a habit that she stands up. 
So, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely like the body responds and reacts and knows to the small cues that we create. If it's repetitive, it'll get it. And then, like I said, test yourself after a few days, just don't, and then see how your body responds. If it's not responding enough, then that means you got to start over. And that is so, I would have never in a million years thought that, but because it, it feels like you're going backwards, but you're, you're not, it's not necessarily, it's not starting over. You, you just haven't quite mastered that habit yet. So if you need a little extra help, you need to go, go, go grab the tool that you were using before to help you get to the point that you are mastering it. I would have never in a million years thought about that, but yeah, it's like the littlest thing ever that makes all the difference in the world. 100%. But it's just restructuring at the end of the day. You're just taking the same thing you did, but you're refocusing it on another area so that you can create those things. But at the end of the day, that's, that's really what we want everybody, you know, what everybody's main mission and goal is in the first, you know, in the first six, eight months of surgery before you start really feeling normal again, is you've got to hit it hard and put some of those, you know, those better opportunities and the better, you know, the better plan in place, because once the training wheels come off and you start feeling normal, there's one or two things that's going to happen. You're either going to continue on with those, you know, with the positive changes that you made in the first six or eight months, or you're going to start looking for stuff that, that's going to veer you off the path. And that's what we don't want to do. That's why those first six, eight months is so super important for you to build yeah. these skills so that once the training wheels do come off, you're, you're not sitting there wobbling yourself down the street. And I have to say, I play 2K too. There's a lot of buzzers that go off. You drink a lot of water. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I've got a gallon. I'm getting in a gallon a day now for the most part. I, I fall a little short sometimes, but for the most part, yeah, it's it, it, it's a gallon a day at least. Awesome. That's awesome. All right. So Jason and I are dying to ask you. So you are a mother of three. You have nine humans living in your home. You have your own business. You are a woman, uh, I'm sure auntie, friend, all this kind of stuff. How in the hell are you doing all of this? Like, how are you? <laughs> how, yeah, we're a little bit dumbfounded. And Jason specifically, when, when he and I when we were talking about inter interviewing and what we would ask you, he was like, how do you think she gets her workouts in? And I was like, uh, I have no idea. Maybe she does it in her sleep. Maybe she's got that machine that you just hook up and it like does it for you. Like, okay, what? So how the hell do you do this? How do you? Yeah. Well, the first things that's most important for everybody to know is I have a great support system. So it is, like you said, there's nine people here four of us are adults out of that nine. So it is super duper beneficial for me to have those three other adults. So if I want to take my time to, for the gym, I go and take it because there's other people that are here for me. But I know that that's not everybody's case. I know that not everyone has that, you know, I'm, I'm that blessing. I know I'm very blessed in that way. Um, but you know, and during quarantine, even with taking care of the kids and being home and not being able to step out for the gym, I, you know, I kind of made playtime my workout time or my children's nap time, my workout time where I'll do just body weight exercises. Um, my cardio, I would just jump rope outside while they're playing outside. I'd be just jump roping, just watching them and jump roping. If you're going to sit down and surveil, you're going to supervise them anyway. You should be doing something while you're doing it. Um, other things that I would do is I'd use my kids as weights. I have a 30 pound ham any 40 pound ham and I get to just switch weights and I get to, you know, just kind of use my, my son and my daughter 
and I have a heavier hand. My son, my, my oldest, he's about 70 pounds. And he's like my, he's my, I put him on my back and I do squats because he's just too heavy. So I put him on my back and I do squats sometimes. So it's, um, it's just utilize them and make them work out too. Today I worked out with my niece. It wasn't, it was really, really fun. She hasn't worked out with me in a while, but doing workouts that benefit us and them too, because health is really important for children. I was a very, very heavy girl growing up. I've been big. I was, I was a big girl my entire life. Um, and my, my niece, um, she worked out with me today and she was like, that was fun. I liked it. And she's, she's enjoying the things that I'm doing with her. Make it fun. You can name a workout, something that sounds cool for kids, like the frog jump, the bear crawl. Like you can just do things that kind of, in, you know, kind of entice them to join you. So um, one of the things that like my son's gym teacher uses is called the Superman. It's a Superman jump or the Super Mario brother jump. And they're really just lunging, but it sounds cool. So you just kind of trick them into really getting, um, you know, excited to do it with you. Well, and not only are you spending time with your children, right? Or not only are you spending time with the people in, in your life that you care about, but you're also spending time on your health, right? Mm -hmm. and, and to be able to do that together and to be able to model that for kids, I mean, it, it's like a triple win. That's, well, and, and you've said a couple of times uh, today, multi multitasking, you're always looking for ways to do two or three things at once. And that really seems to be, one of your keys to success. So what, what other facets of life do you utilize multitasking to, to, to make things work? Cooking. So one of the things that I do with cooking, um, it's something that I had like mentioned, you know, privately before was that I swap my days of cooking. So one day I will be cooking my um, carbs for myself. And then we all share sides. We'll have the same proteins and we'll have the same vegetables or salad, right? That's what we share. Everybody's eating that, but they don't want my cauliflower rice. I want my cauliflower rice. So for one day I meal prep for myself, cauliflower rice, and I make their sides because the day before I made it a nice big pot of rice that they're having. So we, I swapped that intense um, making. So then it's a little easier the next day. Um, or I'll make foods that um, are easily uh, like alike. So for example, if they order pizza, I'll make my stovetop pizza, it takes five minutes. So we're eating the same thing together. If they're having cheeseburgers, I swap out the buns and I'll have a lettuce wrap. So I don't feel like I'm falling off of what they're eating. I'm eating with them, I'm joining. And it's kind of like doing the same thing at the same time. And also um, on top of multitasking and on top of having things that are comparable to their dietary needs, I also am a big advocate for um, just kind of make, like managing time. So I make it a priority to myself and people like my clients. I tell them you have to make time for yourself. And if that time for yourself is the gym, you take it, you make it a requirement. If you missed it today, make sure you get it in tomorrow. If you need self-care, 15 minutes, take it. Um, it's, a, it's important to manage time or look at your time, see the things that you're spending most time doing and see if you can allot it into a certain time of day or spread it out. Um, even exercising. Um, some of my clients, I tell them, you know, I do like a bingo card and I tell them do a hundred jumping jacks is one of the, one of the car, one of what they have to scratch off. I told them, you don't have to do it all 
at one time. If you don't have the energy or the time to do hundred jumping jacks right now, do 25 in the morning, do 25 midday, and then go hard right before, you know, you take a shower, do 50. And then there you go. You've completed your hundred for today. It doesn't have to all be like over the top and, you know, cause a lot of stress because you're toppling over. Just managing that, um, that time is just, that's also another key component to everything overall. And I think that's. Well, it, your, your, your cooking example, I think so beautifully illustrates that, right? Because you're cooking every day, but you're not spending four hours meal prepping for the whole week. What you're saying is I'm going to take 30 minutes or 15 minutes here and I'm going to do, I'm going to prep this thing for the kids for the rest of the week. And then the next day I've taken 15 or 20 minutes and I'm going to meal prep this and for me for, for the rest of the week. So you're really being so efficient with your time while kind of stacking things on top of it. I mean, it's just, it's almost, yeah, it's just this like beautiful pyramid of, of organization and time management and multitasking that really in a lot of ways, it sounds like kind of gives you back some more of your time. And I mean, (laughs) because the other thing that just dawned on me as you were saying that is that a lot of us, me included, I will use busyness and stress as an excuse not to do the things that I know I need to do. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. well, I just, oh my gosh, I have to spend so much time on this and, ah, and then it's like, oh, well, I don't have time to really do these healthy things because I've spent all of my time doing this right? It's a reason for us to go back to those habits. So if you're constantly working on maintaining your time and keeping everything at a manageable level, you never get to that point where you blow your top and you, and you go, you know, you fall off the wagon because you're so stressed or you're so overwhelmed. You're keeping everything at just kind of this like low boil level throughout your week. Mm -hmm. it It was a good way, you know, like what you had said, it took me a while to get on the the train of not having to do it all at once. So I'd get off work, pick the girls up from daycare, you get home, you get them settled with snacks or whatever. And then by the time dinner and baths are done, you're like, now I got to work out. I don't have the energy for that shit. So I'm going to lay here, watch Netflix and I'm done. So, and I know every single person that has children here knows exactly what that feels like. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where and it may not even be kids. It could be work. It could be whatever it is that day that you have done that you're just spent. Like people at the, towards the end of the night, you're just like, nah, I'm going to not. So what I myself had to do was I don't, you know, since we've been working from home, you know, when I, I was two, I was just coming up on two weeks after surgery that we got sent home for COVID and I never went back to the office. So my routine of getting up at the office, I would have to walk a good, you know, I'd get almost a thousand steps in, get into the bathroom, going to get water, you know, walking around a little bit, talking to people on the way back to my my seat. So I missed out on that when I got home because you know, my kitchen's like 10 feet from where I sit to do my work. So it's like, well, there's seven steps, like that's cool. So you lose out on that kind of stuff. So now, and I thought about it after I started, like I'd lift real hard for a while. And then I'm just like, you know, it starts tapering off and your two days of rest turns into three days of rest turns into, I just don't lift them anymore. And, you know, then I got to a point where body weight exercises were helping me a lot. Like a friend of mine was like, do body, do countertop body weight pushups and you'll be amazed at what that will do for your body. And I was like, <laughs> countertop pushups, like get out of here until I did 10 countertop pushups. And I was like, what the hell just happened to my body? Mm-hmm. And I started doing it to where when I fill my big gallon water jug up after I've you know, depleted it, I do 10. 
or now I'm up to 15. I can do 15 at a awesome. time. So now every time I put water in my jug, I knock out 15. Then I fill the big jug. I do two sets of 15 while it's filling up. And by the end of the day, not only have I got up and moved around and got some steps in, but I've got all my workout for that day knocked out. Then the next day I'll do the same thing, but I switch it up to squats or whatever else I'm doing that yes. day. So it's, it's been a huge, it's been a huge change just in that small thing that I had to just switch my thinking a little bit. What you're saying is it resonates so deeply because how I actually started um, forming the habits and figuring out tricks of the trade. One of the things that I did was every single time I went to the bathroom, I would do squats. So if I was done peeing, I do squats in the bathroom. I didn't care where I was. I'm in a stall. Nobody's seeing me. <laughs> they probably hear me in public bathrooms asking, you know, what is she doing? But I would do 10 squats because it's something that you do every day. And it's like, you do it a few times a day and they add up. And, and then there was another thing I would start doing is when I was doing dishes, I would start doing like a, like he, uh, heel ups. So like, I'll just like step on my tippy toes and go down while I do dishes. It's just like little small things. It'll be like the smallest things, but they add up and they're felt those body weight exercises at home that you do throughout the day that you can just throw in there doing things that you do normally brushing your teeth and doing those, um, like those heel ups. That's perfect. There's two, three minutes of you doing that. And that's an entire back leg workout. Well, and anytime I'm cooking my, my youngest granddaughter who is two, but she's, she's pretty, she's pretty solid for a little two year old, but she always wants up to see what I'm cooking. So I just grab her by the wrists and hands and I just lift her as high up as I can lift her from the floor up. And she Absolutely. thinks that's the best game ever. And I'm also getting body weight exercises in on top of, which is a different part of the body than I've already done that day. So we make a game out of that. And then of course, older sister always wants to play too. So I do, you know, different things with her to incorporate them in it. Right. So it's right. like, I incorporate them into what I'm doing. They think it's hilarious. And on top of that, I'm still getting it in. So. And, you know, I think that after a while, we don't realize how much we're adding on, like all those little small things, the small things, they add up. And that's what really becomes like, I, I didn't even realize all the things that I was doing until I started listing them, but they all started from a small thing. So one of the things that with little children that I like to do is if they ask me for something, I used to tell them no, because I'd be mad. I'm like, it's mine. I want to eat it. Now, one of the things that I'm doing is, okay, because now I get to share it and I'm not eating the whole thing or better yet, I have, uh, I have this thing that every single time um, I go do a big buy at Walmart, that's when I get my treat. I have Reese's sticks, like my poisons, my favorite. I love Reese's sticks. I don't deprive myself of it, but I only allow myself to have it when I do the big buy. And I try not to open it until I get home. And if I'm not being greedy, <laughs> I open it when I'm in front of the kids because if they ask for some, I share. So that's one of the things. So this limits me from having the whole thing. But I'm not going to lie. I usually have it all by myself. <laughs> right, right. And hey, and there's times that's needed. Sometimes you got to take it and be like, nope, I'm eating this shit in the car before I get home because I'm not sharing with nobody. Like, not today. <laughs> You know, but, but that is so epic on so many levels because you have found success. You have found very creative and healthy ways for you to enjoy the things that, that you love. 
and you have found a way to incorporate your family into your your new identity into your way of being and by inviting everybody in on the process everybody is on your team everybody everybody's working towards the same goal and that's amazing you've got nine different souls living under one house but they're all rowing in 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 a direction for your recovery that's mm -hmm. that's phenomenal i mean that's miraculous that's it makes it a lot easier to my sister is also sleeved she's about she's two and a half years post-op so it makes it wow. even 10 times easier because she understands and and she gets it and I understand her. So we kind of like kind of balance one another out too. So it's it's also, like I said in the beginning, that support system is so important. But for those that don't have that support system, that's where I love having accounts like you guys, where you know there there are sources like this that kind of put the pieces together that we don't have. And when we have meetups, I actually host um, in-person meetups before COVID. I, nice. um, I one in March earlier this year and we had about 50 people come out. Um, this was the first one that we hosted together. There was another one that we went to a few years ago and we wanted to do it two, three times a year. So we did two this year. I'm sorry. We did one in January, one in March. So in-person meetups, um, the support system that you can't have, like, I'm like, I'm saying, I know I'm lucky to have my support, but finding friends in the community, they're everlasting. Like people that just know what you go through and know what you felt like and the changes because emotionally it's crazy. There's a roller coaster. Like you said, you, you have um, a bariatric therapist that she understands you on deeper levels, you know? And that's like, it's just, it's just, it's also important to have the support. That's wow. why you know, I too was going to start hosting physical meetups and then COVID hit. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a dean and a teacher at an online school. So Zoom is where that's my comfort area. And I just thought I could host a virtual meetup via Zoom if people were, were comfortable with that. And I couldn't yeah. believe the outpouring. I couldn't believe the participation that it was just me, a stranger. And that was where Jason and I met. We literally met. He came to one of my meetups. He stayed after. We conversated. We realized that we we had a really great rapport and it turned into to, to what we do now. But that support is is key and it's critical. And, and if you don't have the, the, the built-in supports like what you have, I have it, Jason has it, it's necessary. And I'm so thankful that, that we can provide that, that you can provide that. There are, that there are people in this community that just can create these safe, place, safe places for us to come together because we don't get through it alone. We just don't. There, no, there's people, no way. People often attribute the, one of my favorite sayings, it takes a village to specifically raising children. But you can put that, that goes so far beyond just children because we've mm -hmm. learned just like what we've got going on here. It takes a village to come together. And because we get so many messages all the time of people saying how, you know, well, I couldn't go to my family because they're, you know, whatever reason they listed, they don't have any friends or their friends don't understand. And they really literally only have people that they've met online that they can reach to and turn out. So I, I think, making sure that you know we all have our arms out to catch those people it has has been just a tremendous help to so many people and that just you know every day april and i get together at some point and just talk about how how blessed we are to be in the situation that we're in to be able to help those people because if it wasn't for us like when we first started doing what we were doing 
there really wasn't that many people out there doing, you know, what, what, you know, what you're doing or what we've decided to start doing. And so it's good to see more of that happening now in different, you know, people are even starting to break the niches down even, even further to be in certain, you know, pockets of the bariatric community where some, you know, people might not feel as apt to reach out to a larger group. There's smaller little subgroups breaking off that people can reach out to. So mm-hmm. this community really is amazing in the way that it's intertwined with everybody. Just, you know, there's always somebody out there willing to, if we can't help you, we'll shoot you over to somebody that can just because we just, the end result is we want that you we want you to get the help you're looking for. Absolutely. And one of the things is, I think I empathize big time with not, um, you know, I, I had my surgery when I was 24, um, but I didn't know anyone of my, in my age group or anybody in my situation that was like a first time mom, like none of my friends were having kids or anything. And I just kind of felt really alone. And because I know that sentiment, I say this all the time. There's not one direct message that I've ever ignored, ever ever, ever, ever. I don't deny anyone. I allow anyone to ask me any question. My DM is forever open. And I'm very big on that because I don't want anybody to feel lost, alone, confused. I am like, I'm everyone's friend. And it's like, it's important that I I let people know that there's a support system in me and in, 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 in profiles like yours because I know what it's like to feel very alone and confused and lost. And I don't want anybody to feel that. So that's actually one of the main and biggest reasons why I, um, I'm so strong in this, in the community now, because I get so many messages of people that are so lost and I'm like, wow, how can we fix this? Like, what is it that we have to do? Like, do we have to partner up with our dietitians? Do we have to partner up with the hospitals? Um, and, and really make something bigger than, than just like their one month, you know, meat that they have, like, you know, like, it's just like, what more can be done? That's what I've always thought of. Well, and that's, that's a huge, that's a huge sentiment that you say that you leave no, no DM unturned because that's, that's easy to do. If you have, you know, five, six, 800, a thousand followers or 12, you know, 12, 1300 followers, but you have 12, over 12,000 followers. So that's a lot of DMs coming through. So the fact that you, you know, taking the time to do that and really be there for the community as a whole, that's, that's to be applauded a hundred percent. Every person, there's not one message that I've ever ignored. I get a lot of messages per day. I, I'm not going to lie. My phone's in my hand, like all day long. It is, but you know, like I also have like the five minutes that I'm running after all day long too. But I, even if it's, even if it's a, a heart emoji or I'll say, Hey, I read what you wrote. I'll be right back. Or give me some time. I really want to talk to you. I always make sure I respond. I never, ever let anybody be alone. I had one person, oh my God, I had one person that I didn't respond to. And I said this on a live and they're like, no, you don't. I gave that person my phone number. I said, call me right now. And I had that person call me and I said, I am so incredibly sorry that I did not write back to you. I'm, what did I miss? What can I do for you now? I'm so like, I, when I say I'm sympathetic to that emotion, I don't want, I don't want people to feel alone. So yeah, no, I don't care how many DMs I get. It could be like a hundred in a week and I'm responding to every person. 
That's why in the beginning of the episode, and I will say it again now, you are an amazing resource in this community. That's 100%, 100%, 100% because you look at that and a lot of people would have just taken that one and just blown it to the side. But the fact that you had the passion enough to reach out to that person, accept responsibility for what you missed and double down and not only offer, you know, to help them still, even after the public call, I like that just says a lot about who you are and what you do. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I saw my error because if I'm saying if I'm if I'm advertising, so to speak, I'm here for you and I left you in the dust, I messed up. So absolutely. I, anybody can call me out anytime. I'm accountable. It's cool. <laughs> uh, you are the queen of accountability. I, I mean, there is no question about that. <laughs> that is well, your so bread many, and so butter. Many, so many people, you know, they, they think like, when people start accounts like these, they think, oh, well, they're perfect. They've got it all together. They don't ever have, you know, they don't ever mess up or they don't ever have problems. Like they don't struggle because look, they've got it all together. Let me explain to you guys right now. We're normal ass people. Like we started, April and I started this, like we still work full-time jobs. Like, yes, we want to be there for everybody as much as we can, but we're like, we're not superheroes at all. Like we started this as because we saw the need for it, but yeah, we still mess up. We struggle every day. April could tell, like I told you guys the other night on the live that I was gonna that I was gonna put up the the picture of the scale the next day, uh, and I didn't get a chance to put it on the feed because I I was just not on Instagram that day. But I gained up to three hundred and ten pounds down from three oh six because of what I ate that night. I told you I slipped off and and, and went and ate a bunch of stuff at a party. And that was a four pound gain that I had to account for. And then I woke up today and I was three pounds heavier than that. So I went from 306 to 313 in a couple in a matter of two days. So yep. it, yeah, the, it's a slippery slope and it happens. We are, yeah, we are not infallible whatsoever. Now, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've put the work in, I've, I've now made adjustments to do what I need to do to get back down to 306 and then, you know, still sub 306, but you know, the, you take days where you're just like, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do, but yeah, not probably not going to do that today. Like, and you just veer off the path for a minute. You're just like, this looks better than what, than the drill down every single day, make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. And some days you just want to be like, eh. I'm a huge person. Like I'm, I'm on my, on my Instagram, you constantly say, like, I'm constantly saying like, these are my changes. This is what I'm going through. I mess up too. And I don't even want to call it a mess up. I want to say I've, I'm tr like, I'm, hmm, how do I say this? I don't want to call it mistakes because I don't feel like me having cake is a mistake. <laughs> oh, it's not. <laughs> like, like, so I, I, I just, I'm accountable when adjustments need to be made. I'm sorry, go ahead. Nope. I just had this conversation with, with Wendy because we, we all work very hard to make sure that we are congruent in what we are helping and saying and doing. And we do that by saying, here's what I did today. Here's what I ate. Here's where I went off track. And here's what I'm doing to get back on track. That's congruent because it's not a crime to have a slice of cake. It's not a crime to have a Reese's or Cheetos or whatever. If we did that every single day and if we were doing that consistently and if we weren't acknowledging it, okay, yeah, no, that's, that, that's not good, but we have to remain human, right? We, we have to have the, the, the ability to enjoy, indulge, to, to, to take those moments to just feel normal, but it's mm -hmm. a moment and it's not a day. It's not a week. It's not a month. And that's something I tell all my clients all the time. 
don't stress over a momentary thing because consistency trumps over that momentary pizza, cake, freezer. doesn't matter. It does not matter. It That recess is not over 3,000 calories. You're not going to gain weight off of that. And even if you do gain a little bit of weight overnight, it's typically water. And I think you need to chill. <laughs> so that's you tell people like, well, let's and it's like Wendy says, Wendy calls it plan, a planned eating event. So you have a plan, you know, like I knew at Thanksgiving, I knew I was going to have a smaller portion of all of my plate of my stuff and sides because I knew I wanted pumpkin pie. I battled down for that. I had pumpkin pie and I, you know, the next day I got back up on the, on the wagon and did what I was supposed to do. So. One, I'm glad that you said that about like you planned it out. That's another thing that I, I fit into like my regimen is planning my way of eating. So for example, on Friday and Saturdays, I make sure that I have like a pretty decent caloric deficit day where I eat pretty light meals during the day or things that are lower in calories. So I can enjoy my, you know, my liquid calories at nighttime and, um, or my, or my, you know, my sweets on Friday and Saturday. So I call, um, I call those like, you know, my, my reverse days. Cause usually I would have like a big breakfast. So I'm full longer in the day, but instead I plan my Fridays and Saturdays to be a little bit different. Cause I know there's a, there's a possibility of an outing or friends coming over or something that changes that. And to make sure that I stay on track with my end goal, I adjust my day in, in ways like that adjusting your plate because you want to have something after that's so important or I have days where it's just strictly water there's no liquid calories so I can enjoy myself a margarita at nighttime you know mm-hmm. so there's got to be different things that that are done to um to fit the end goal you just you just so beautifully are, are articulated how how to make the how to find success in a way that works for you right? You, you're always focusing on your end goal. You're always staying within, within your, your budget, so to speak for the day mm-hmm. or for the week, right? And, and giving yourself permission to, to play around with those numbers as you go, because you know that there's things coming up that, that are going to involve food or that are going to involve alcohol. And you want to make sure that you are accounting for that. It's, it, it sounds like a really enjoyable way to live because you're, you're always saying yes, but you're saying yes to what fits within your goal, to what fits within your vision, within your identity. It's, it sounds just like a really joyful way to live. It is. I truly feel like I've found a way to adjust my lifestyle and create a new one that is sustainable. It has, I don't feel deprived for anything at all. Mm -hmm. And I eat, and I mean, I eat like four meals a day. I have two snacks. I've just learned little different swaps I'm going to just bring out a, a plain example, you know, a uh, coffee creamer, right? So coffee creamer can be about 130 calories and then almond milk is 20 calories. If I have the 130 calories seven days a week, that can be equal to what I would eat in a whole day, you know? And it's just like that little swap where it doesn't deprive, I'm still having my coffee I just have a little bit of a, a, a swap in it. It still fits in my lifestyle. I still have it in the morning. Nothing changes except a little bit of a flavor. It's well, like- and, then, 
And on the days that you really want that coffee made or whatever it is, right? You've budgeted that in because you've made some very smart choices throughout, throughout your week. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a very different way of thinking. I mean, it, it it sounds all that I'm saying that, but it really kind of is. Cause I think after surgery, you get into this mindset of, I need to do the exact same thing every day. And I have to hit these numbers every single moment, but really you have found success by taking uh, still a very smart, holistic approach. It's just a different way of looking at it, but it's, it's found, it's allowed you to find a lot of fulfillment and joy in your life as you have recovered from bariatric surgery. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then one that you said about, um, about the, you know, uh, the holistic approach, like I've, I've gotten down to a point because I eat so often and because of what I'm eating, I, you know what? I'm not going to even finish my sentence. I don't want to get in trouble. I'm not going to finish it. I'm not going to finish it. I've said it before. I'm not in trouble. I'm not going to say it. I'm sorry. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna... <laughs> to. Well, I think this, the, I think this is a really nice way. I, the, the last question we really wanted to ask you was all about, you know, you, you just celebrated five years post-op and I know that there's a lot of like aha moments. There's a lot of things that you have come to learn about yourself or your journey um, in, in those five years. So what, 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 what are some parting thoughts that you want to leave our listeners and our followers and our watchers with? What, what are your big takeaways after five years of, of living with a sleeve? My big takeaway is please don't fall for going for a number or a size, go for a feel. And it's something that um, I think that when we reach for number goals um, or when we reach for size goals, we're not being realistic to who we really want to be and which is happy. And if um, you take the time to say that I just want to be comfortable in my skin, it can be a size two, it could be a size 10, it could be a size 16, it doesn't really matter. You have to go to the field because honestly, guys, what happens in here is far more important than anything you have on the outside. And if you have a strong mind, it's going to follow through and it will also um, aid in your overall health. So the only takeaway I have is no comparing to other people in the community and reaching for a number that they have. It's not gonna fit the same on you. Body composition is always different. So when I have people ask me, what do I eat in a day? How much I, how many calories I eat or how much I weigh? I'm really, I don't want to answer those questions. I don't because it, it, it's not going to fit you. And I think it's really important that we learn early on comparing is not important and follow those feels. They feel so much better when you're true to them. I, I can't tell you how directly that hits for me. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for sharing your, your wisdom, your knowledge, your experience. And I very much appreciate you giving this community permission to try things, to mix things up, to, to, to switch it, right? To, to do these things that, that we need to do to find that, that peaceful place for us, because you are so right. It's different for me. It's different for you. It's different for Jason. It's going to be different from everybody, but we can take, take these little pieces from everybody's recipe and create the perfect, the perfect version for ourselves. 
Yeah. Just amazing. Oh my gosh. Giselle, we cannot thank you enough for joining us. This conversation is going to be one. I always go back and listen, listen to our episodes. This is going to be one that I'm going to go back again and again and again and again to, because there were so many moments of like, oh my God, oh, I'm going to have to write that down. I need to put that on a graphic. Oh my gosh. It was just... It's so, so, so powerful and it's so meaningful. And like I said, to, to know that you have found success for five years uh, means a lot to us. We, we can look to you for, for guidance. We can look to you for support because uh, you've, you, you know, you might not have figured it all out, but you figured a lot of it out and we are here for that. <laughs> can, I, can I leave with one, one other thing? Yeah, sure. I fail and fail time and time again. The real maintenance is getting up. The real maintenance is not giving up. And the real maintenance is saying, let me figure something else out. So I want everybody to know in finding success is falling times 20 and getting up 21. And that's my favorite number. That's why I'm going to leave it there. But it's just making sure that you stand up. That's where the success really lies. Because if you stay and fall flat and you stay down or you don't make a change and you think it's going to make a difference, it won't. Success is making a change by getting up and trying something else or trying again. So that I'm telling you guys, I've failed a thousand times. I, I fail all the time and I'm glad I do because I get to learn something new. I've learned so much in failure. So please don't be afraid to, and don't think that failing is a bad thing. Change the narrative in your mind and say, wow, I'm learning something or it's, this is a calling for me to adjust and um, don't be stressed out when you fall. Just look at it like, okay, great. I've been learning. That's it. Well, you, you do know what, what the word fail actually stands for, right? F A I L first attempt in learning. Ah, love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. You are amazing. You're absolutely amazing. Thank you for your time and for your wisdom. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, I'm sure people in this community are, if they don't already know about you, they're going to know about you now. And uh, I think you will, you will see Jason and I in your DMs because this conversation is going to continue. <laughs> yeah, I'm so ready for it too. I loved it. Thank you so, so, so much for having me, guys. You guys are amazing. Oh. Love what you're doing. To everybody in this community, thank you for listening. Thank you for following. Thank you for being an active part of, of the, the weight loss surgery community. If you enjoy what you are hearing and seeing and experiencing, please like, follow, subscribe, share. Uh, the, the, the larger that we can grow, the more support that we can offer this community. And your feedback is valuable to us. Jason and I strive to connect with people and to produce content that adds value to your life and to your experience. Uh, so if we have done so, we would appreciate knowing that. If there is a topic or an area or a subject that you would love to see us explore at a deeper level, slide into our DMs and let us know that because we, 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 we want to make sure that we are delivering things that are meaningful and impactful to you in, in the moment. Jason, you want to take us out? Yes, ma'am. Uh, Giselle, like I said, yeah, we, we can't thank you enough for being here. Your words of wisdom were unmatched. We just truly appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. You guys, please go follow uh, Giselle at, at, at sleeved life underscore on Instagram, she posts the most amazing content. Um, and, you know, much like what April said, we appreciate you guys for, for being with us and supporting us and getting us as far as we, as we have gotten now, because we couldn't do what we do without you guys uh, supporting us. Like I said, it takes a village and uh, we love our village. You guys have been simply amazing. 
and we just really appreciate that. And uh, the biggest thing to remember at the end of all of these is you've got this and we've got you and uh, we'll see you later. Bye guys. Thank you so much. Bye. -bye. Bye.